up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This amazing stranger of the planet Jeff The Man of Steel. Who are you? A friend. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. Superman, 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 Superman. This looks like a job for Superman. Superman Forever Radio, the weekly podcast devoted to the Man of Steel. Welcome to Superman Forever Radio, episode 55. I am your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder. And here is an odd, random fact. If this show had been released weekly, every Sunday from its debut on October 31st of 2010, this would have been episode 117. So by my math, that means we missed a total of 62 episodes over the few last couple of years. Now for a bit, I thought about finding a way to catch up and make those episodes up somehow, but I realized that is the path to madness. Now this time around, though, I continue my look at Lois Lane and making a case to how and why she matters to the Superman mythology, a topic that was supposed to take one episode, but has become two because, well, that's how I roll. But this half is where the rubber meets the road. So let us recap what I laid out last week. Point one, Lois is a standard romantic lead, not something exclusive to comics, but more story scenarios. Um, Point two, Lois gives a face to Superman's rescues. She adds a personal level to the peril, making the reader, viewer, or listener, depending on the medium, care. Point 2.5, Lois provides a vehicle for exposition. So, kind of like Robin did in Batman stories. So, this isn't something unique to Lois alone, yet it is a valid point. Point three... She's a female role model. She held a career, succeeded at going toe-to-toe with men um, well before anybody we've seen before, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Point 3.5. The Lois Clark Superman template was acquired into many other comic paradigms, and I'll expand on that a bit before we get into the the meat and potatoes of the episode, as it were. Um, A good example is Spider-Man. If you get into a Spider-Fan on Spider-Fan discussion about Spider-Man's love life and who his great love is, most um, younger fans, most fans, a lot of fans at least, will go to Mary Jane Watson as a knee-jerk reaction. But if you really get into a a long discussion, you can hem and haw about it quite a bit. Because you can expand that to Betty Brant, Gwen Stacy, Felicia Hardy. Uh, It's just a lot there. Batman, you have Silver St. Cloud, Vicki Vale... Talia Al Ghul or Julie Madison, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, had Carol Ferris, Aresia, Carrie Limbo, many, many more. And let's not get started on Daredevil's conquests. 
I mean, I don't think any of us have the disk space to account for all of those notches on, on Matt Murdock's bedpost. But if you throw the gauntlet down on Superman's great loves, same type of conversation, immediately without hesitation, it's Lois Lane. It, that's, that's it. And it was, this was the point we were at in 1986, that Lois Lane and Superman were synonymous. It was like Biscuits and Gravy, Holmes and Watson, and even, dare I say it, Batman and Robin. So when Crisis on Infinite Earths hit in 1986, these characters had become archetypes. And they were nearly larger than life after 50 years. We were almost at the 50-year mark. But the question at the core of all of this is why Lois Lane? And that is the question I will be answering as we dive into the post-crisis DC Universe right after this podcast promo for the Fantastic Cast. And we will get back on track with Defending Lois Lane, Part 2. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're... Angel. Oh, Reed, not you too! What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly! We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon, the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power! I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth, and now mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream, they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You Gothics can't change the way I can. At least I'm the most powerful person on Earth. I've been expecting you. For I am the Thinker. I vow never to return, my lord. Until the Fantastic Four are no more, and the Phantom is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ramatats. King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. You're just a muscular freak, blind or hulk. Stop! You must not enter the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This time shall sustain him to the living drain of all elemental life. So, speak the latter. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast. FFcast.libsyn. Com. Who are you? Lois. Lois Lane. At this point in history, we had seen Lois Lane go from career woman to wife of Clark Kent in the Earth 2 continuity. She had become a bit of a stalker slash pest in her own series in the Silver Age, only to come back to a strong female presence in the Bronze Age. She had been on screen, radio, animated, and live action. But there was a bit of a quandary as far as what we had seen, as far as it being canon or non-canon. Was Earth 2 a legitimate continuity? Was that marriage truly canon? It's a big, big word. 
With Earth One sharing a time span from the 50s to the early 80s, how many stories did or didn't happen? Which Lois was the true, bona fide Lois Lane? Once again, we're dealing with archetypes at this point. Legends, if I may be so bold. Much like the Greek and Roman mythologies, the core elements were always in place with slight alterations made between adaptations. And suddenly, with the coming of the Crisis, the DC Universe had its first clear line of delineation and redefinition. A genuine point A to start from, and no character's line was clearer than Superman's. There's no definite, stated point when the Golden Age became the Silver Age and then became the Bronze Age. It can be debated. What really happened is one bled into the other, with retroactive statements made to create the Earth-2 separation. There had never before been a final issue, a restart, a complete reworking from the ground up. This is what makes Crisis on Infinite Earths unique in the world of comics. It was an ending to one phase, a beginning of another, and that was the intent. The staff at DC in 1986-87 were part of a renaissance in a very real way. Historically, the Renaissance was the first age in which the participants were aware and intended to create a new art movement. Thus it was at DC Comics. And as a result, John Byrne stripped Superman down to the very core essentials and rebuilt the Man of Steel anew, which meant a tweaked origin, a new attitude, and a new supporting cast, including Lois Lane. So while a slightly less meek and mild-mannered Clark Kent was reinvented as the real person and Superman as the image, and Lux Luthor is completely rebuilt as a corporate mogul in the post-crisis Superman era, beginning with the October 1986 cover date of Man of Steel number 1. Lois was a strong-willed career woman, a star reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper, and an independent soul. Sound familiar? It should. That was the same template for Lois Lane in the Golden Age. She didn't change at a fundamental level. And the reason for this is she didn't need to. While the 80s was the decade of Wall Street greed, greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Career women were becoming more and more prominent. We saw female star reporters like Barbara Walters, Jane Polly, Connie Chung. Lois wasn't as unique as before. And you might say that Lois caught up with the times. I say to you, no. The Times caught up with Lois Lane. And that brings me to another point. Point four. Lois Lane is timeless. You can take the same basic character from 1938 to 1988, all the way up to 2013, and you really have nothing more to change than maybe clothes and a hairstyle. One of the big detractors that non-Superman fans throw at the character is that he's outdated. He's a throwback to an older era. Okay, but they can't make that assertion about Lois Lane. They can try, but you know that you have, now that you've heard this, you have a really solid defense against that attack. Lois Lane, timeless. You can see her influence in characters like Murphy Brown, Ally McBeal, and Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City. Granted, these weren't literally modeled on Lois Lane, but they show a distinct likeness to Superman's girlfriend. The age of the confident career woman was finally here, and the only thing that Lois had to say about it? What took you so long? There are women that are looked at as timeless beauties, and those considered just universally beautiful. You see them in posters everywhere. Marilyn Monroe is a big one. 
uh, Lauren Bacall, Cindy Crawford, Audrey Hepburn. Why? Why is that? What makes Marilyn Monroe standing in that white dress with the subway grate blowing her dress up one of the most reprinted iconic pictures ever? Why do we think of Natalie Wood as iconic from her role in Rebel Without a Cause? I don't expect an actual answer to that question. It's rhetorical. But whatever that thing, that energy they have, Lois Lane has that in spades. Now, as we enter the post-crisis era, one big thing we see is that everything is in continuity and it evolves. There isn't a need to reset the status quo at the end of every story. One issue leads to the next, and that one to the issue after that, and it's all on the record. Which means we got to see this organic, ongoing evolution of the characters, including Lois dating Jose Delgado, Clark flirting with Cat Grant, and eventually Lois notices Clark. And they end up together, culminating in Clark Kent, not Superman, proposing to Lois Lane in Superman Volume 2, Number 50. Superman finally got Lois Lane to notice Clark Kent. But here is the core of the case for Lois Lane, the center of it all. What does Superman see in Lois Lane? After all, in this post-crisis continuity, Clark has a built-in childhood love interest in Lana Lang, which I'm going to tackle in just a moment. Uh, Lana, after all, knew Clark's secret. She knew he was Superman before there was even a Superman. And she kept that secret even after being severely beaten by Lex Luthor in Superman Volume 2, Number 2. Earmark Lana Lang for a moment. Because we also had the extremely sexy Cat Grant heavily pursuing Clark. And after all, Superman has access to Wonder Woman, Maxima, who wanted to mate with him. And let's not forget that he's Superman. He's a level of celebrity that we have no real world concept of. If he were a lesser man, he could walk into any club, get access to the VIP room, and probably pick up any bevy of beauties any night of the week. So, why settle for Lois Lane? A plain human who can be put into extreme danger just by her association with him. As well as the physical questions Larry Niven posed in his essay, Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex, that I'm not even going to start to tackle here. Well, let me take you back to the beginning of the era. And I mean the very beginning of the post-crisis Superman era, to Man of Steel number one, the very first issue of the rebooted post-crisis Superman. In this timeline, Clark learns about his rocket origins and goes traveling around the world searching for himself and helping people anonymously as sort of a guardian angel, a proto-Superman. In his travels, he ends up in Metropolis, where an experimental space plane threatens to crash, so Clark must leap literally, out of anonymity and save the day. On the flight is our intrepid reporter, Lois. When the plane is safely on the ground, Lois rushes out to this amazing stranger yelling out, Hold it right there, mister! And Clark, who normally does his rescuing, gets out unseen, stops in his tracks. Because, well, nobody had ever yelled at him with such conviction before. Clark had never experienced such a commanding presence. And here, on page 27 of Man of Steel number 1, Clark talks about his first impression of Lois Lane, telling Mon Pa Kent, and I quote, She's, I don't know, not as beautiful as a movie star, but she has a, a quality. Something I've never seen in any other woman, almost a fire in those big, dark eyes. For just a moment, it seemed if something passed between us. A spark. This magic moment 
At the onset, the answer is simple. Chemistry. That's not very academic or very scientific, but let's be honest. Love is love. Now it comes back, though, to the Marilyn Monroe factor. What is it that elevates her and others like her to iconic status? Look at this. Marilyn Monroe was in a total of 33 movie roles. Audrey Hepburn was in 31 movies, and for the love of Pete, I'm not putting these women down. I think they're beautiful women. I'm a big fan of Audrey Hepburn. I have a wall of Audrey Hepburn stuff in my living room. Yet, to contrast that, Melissa Leo, she's been in 107 roles. Now, this is all per IMDb. Majel Barrett, wife of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, had 64 credits to her name when she passed away. Yet, walk through your local Target. Walk through your local poster shop. See how many Hepburn or Monroe posters you're fine. Versus Majel Barrett and Melissa Leo posters. It's something you can't define. Something that appeals to the aesthetics. Romantic relationships very often begin with a physical attraction. Something about the other person's appearance appeals to you. That's how you get their attention. This is not abnormal. This is not rocket science. Now, there are exceptions, especially in the computer age, but that is the start. But a physical attraction does not a good marriage make. Otherwise, that would be shallow. And let's be honest, Superman is not a shallow person. So what is it about Lois Lane that keeps him attracted to her? Because, let's be honest, she treats him like a punk. At least in the Clark Kent. She exalts Superman. She puts Superman or Clark Kent down. But she has loads and loads of integrity. Because she's committed to honesty by way of journalism. She's committed to justice by the way of journalism. She's a big proponent of freedom of speech. Well, there's truth, justice, in the American way right there. Um, looking at it closer, Lois fights her own never-ending battle to make sure that the people of Metropolis and the world see things for what they are. A bad guy is a bad guy. But if Lois recognizes that somebody is wrongly accused, she's going to get to the bottom of it. There isn't a gray area with Lois Lane. It's the truth or nothing. And let's not forget that Lois didn't sleep her way to her position as a high-profile reporter. Not for nothing, Lois is somewhat chaste, especially in comparison to the front that Cat Grant puts up. And I'm not downing the character of Cat Grant. Not by any means. But I'm making a comparison, and I did clarify that it was only a front. And yes, Lois can be competitive, uh, which is a nice word for it, and fiercely so. But that is what really makes her a good journalist. She's also protective. Not just of her byline, but of her partner. Lois may not like that Clark will get the scoop on her, but she'll go toe-to-toe -to, -toe to defend Clark's ability to do so. She's also tough enough to hold her own. Let's look at Man of Steel number 4. Lois actually picks up a machine gun and fires at a group of terrorists who are hijacking Lex Luthor's boat. This means that Superman doesn't have to baby Lois. Because unlike the previous incarnations of Lois, whose parents were farmers, this Lois Lane had a United States Army general as a father. She was tough as nails and able to throw a karate kick, which makes her a bit more astounding, really. But she could cash the checks her mouth wrote, and that's kind of appealing. And it adds to that honesty factor. Because Lois, while she can be brutal in her words, can still defend herself. She can back that up. And with that, both Clark and Superman always know where they... Okay, let's not get this confused. Where he stands with Lois. But, I know what you're saying. 
I hear what you're saying. I know what the detractors are saying. Lois is just a human. She's just a regular woman. She's not a princess like Wonder Woman or a mermaid like Lori Lamaris. Yeah, that's the point. As Superman, he sees all kinds of crap on a daily basis. Alien invasions, villains trying to fight him, bank robberies, um, any number of things. That's Tuesday for Superman. And while, yes, he is Superman, he's also Clark Kent, who had a somewhat normal life growing up in Smallville. At the end of the day, the Clark Kent in Superman wants a normal life to some extent. He wants somebody to go see a movie with and talk about mundane things. He can't be on duty all the time, and that was the point of the Clark Kent persona. I can't imagine Maxima enjoying a night of takeout Chinese food and renting chocolate. But Lana Lang could. So while we kind of start to look at why he likes Lois as a regular human, that kind of brings Lana back in. This other stitch in the argument. Why Lois and not Lana? Well... Clark and Lana's romance was in high school. They were teenagers. They were barely discovering who they were. Add Clark's secret to that mix and you have a very conflicted teenager. When Clark left Smallville to journey the world, he told Lana his secret, which she kept. So that means Lana has the integrity of Lois. She has a human angle. Why not Lana? Simple. It's very simple, really. And fans of Lana are going to think, I don't like her. That's not the case by any, 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 any stretch. But here's the, here's the truth. The next time Clark and Lana met, Clark had evolved. He had become an adult. He wasn't a teen anymore. He was a different person to some extent. And I don't mean just because he was now Superman. People in their mid-twenties and up aren't the same person they were in high school, at least not in an ideal situation. Clark had grown up, but in many, many, many ways, Lana hadn't changed. This means two things. Clark's state of mind and the feelings he had for her were different. He had a bigger responsibility, a job, and a life in Metropolis, and Lana hadn't outgrown her state of mind from high school. She was in a state of arrested development. That isn't to say she was immature, not entirely, but she still held those same feelings, that same vantage point. Clark saw things differently. He saw them on a bigger level. And Lana still saw them from the front porch in Smallville where he left her. In some ways, Clark put her in the friend zone, or, well, let's be honest, it was worse. It's the surrogate sister zone. Now, most people don't really have memories of making out with their sister outside of the Skywalker clan. Then, of course, there is the fact that Lois was in the picture by the time Lana returned, putting another wrinkle in that relationship. But Lana is a topic for another time. And she could, she could support her own full episode, and probably will. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. It's, it's on the docket for this year. Uh, basically, these are some of the main reasons that Superman fell for Lois. Add to that, as Clark and Lois progressed in their relationship, he began to see her vulnerable side, the tender, sensitive, caring woman that lay beneath the tough exterior. We all we all have different sides to us, and he got to see all sides of Lois Lane, and it equated a bit to his Clark Superman duality, which made him very understanding of how she operated. So when he did pop the question, that meant one thing. He had to tell Lois a secret. After all, you can't keep something as big as, you know, 
being the greatest superhero in the world from the misses, right? And so when he did, she, she, she could have taken it better. Because the secret meant that he had been lying to her for years. But luckily, Lois understood, and the engagement progressed. But there was a stumbling block on the way to the altar. And it was very much Lois Lane's fault. Producer Deborah Joy Levine took notice of Lois Lane and began developing a television series called Lois Lane's Daily Planet, a show that, by most accounts, would look at the Superman mythos from Lois's point of view. As the show progressed, it became Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and Terry Hatcher took on the role of Lois Lane. The California-born Hatcher had made guest appearances on Star Trek The Next Generation, MacGyver, and Quantum Leap, as well as the movie Tango and Cash. And Hatcher had shared screen time with Superman before. And by the way, they're real oh. and they're spectacular. That's right, that scene in Seinfeld took place in Jerry's apartment, which means the Man of Steel can be seen in statue or magnet form in many, 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 many shots. Hatcher lost the role of Jamie Buchanan in a related sitcom, Mad About You, which left her open to play Lois Lane and a slightly more sexed up Lois Lane. An image of Hatcher wrapped in only Superman's cape blew up the burgeoning internet and became one of the most downloaded images ever. And Hatcher's cleavage probably could have gotten its own credit on the show, but she was still delightfully plucky. But the show put the stall on Lois and Clark trying to tie the knot, so the event could be synchronized between the comic and television medium. So how do you stall the wedding event of the century? The famous last words... Uh, from Jerry Ordway were, let's just kill him. That's right. You kill the groom. I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. Almost every comic fan knows about Superman number 75 and Superman's death at the hands of Doomsday. From Crisis to Crisis covered it as in-depth as you can cover anything for months. But think about this. Close your eyes for a moment. And what images come to mind when I say death of Superman? You probably see the bloody S-Shield on the black background, maybe Superman fighting Doomsday, but one of the most prominent images is of the slain Superman in the arms of Lois Lane. Why? Why Lois Lane? It comes back to that question. Because we know she cares. And Lois became the rightful chief mourner of Superman. What, what is more heart-wrenching than losing the man she loves? who also happens to be the world's greatest superhero. Sure, Jimmy lost a pal. Batman lost a, a crime fighter partner. But Lois lost a life mate. But I want to extend that idea of Lois holding Superman in her arms a bit further. Because beyond the death, because we all know 
Superman got better. Lois Lane and Clark Kent did finally marry in Superman The Wedding Album, which had an official release date of October 9th, 1996, 10 days before my 19th birthday. Thankfully, that's when that dropped because that allowed me, when I was very, very, very broke, to purchase that issue with some birthday monies. But this development changed everything, and I'm still on the Lois's arm thing. I'm not going way off track. But this made Lois a full partner for Superman and Clark Kent. With the marriage finally canon, we got to see what life was like for the couple, and Lois Lame's arms became a fortress of solitude for Superman. Lois was the one and only person capable of comprehending what life is like for Clark Kent and Superman. While Ma and Pa Kent, uh, they could see Clark as he is, the middle ground between the public Clark Kent and Superman, a mixture of the two, Lois looks at this, and she can expand that intimate knowledge. Because after all, Jonathan and Martha have a very, they have very little knowledge of what life is like as a reporter, or what life in the big city is like, or what life is like, you know, on this bigger-than-life character that is Superman, because they just see him as their little boy. Instead of flying back to Smallville whenever something was bothering him, Clark just had to walk down the hall of his apartment. And this is the most important role Lois Lane has ever played. Because it is an echo of her role up to this point, it takes everything we've talked about into account and allows all of that to play out within the confines of a marriage. So we have the barrier of Clark's secret dropped. We have Lois, Lois, we have Lois finally getting into Superman's world. Lois is Superman's, I'm not going to say she's his conscience, because Superman has that thanks to his parents. Lois is Superman's grounding force. She gives him an alternate perspective on things. And not just in the times when Superman is troubled by something, she gives him a reason to check into his human, non-superhero side. Because imagine if Superman threw himself into saving the world 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. 365 days a year. And also imagine if all Clark Kent did was chase the news story. Lois gives Superman that motivation to pause on both fronts and decompress, because all work and no play makes Superman a bit off, or ineffective in the Clark Kent side. And when the concept of splitting the identities of Clark Kent and Superman was introduced, it was for several reasons. One, to protect those that Superman cares about. And two, to give Clark a bit of normality. And Lois is that normality. She can also call Superman on his crap. And she may be one of the few people who really can do so effectively. I mean, Crypto isn't one for conversation. Perry White's a bit cranky. Batman is a downer. Mon Pa can't be, can't be there all the time. Jimmy's just a kid. So Lois has the brass and the intelligence to know when to rope Superman in. Lois represents everything in Superman that is human, that is of Earth. She is the culmination of his Clark Kent experience. And this would be part of the character in newer media adaptations. After all, we had Dana Delaney as Lois Lane in Superman the Animated Series, Erica Durant in Smallville, and Kate Bosworth in Superman Returns. They all reflected this fully realized version of Lois Lane's role in Superman's life. Okay, maybe not Kate Bosworth. Because Kate Bosworth was pretty lackluster. She could have been replaced with a cardboard cutout, and it still would have worked just as well. 
Now, Dana Delaney, however, won me over before she ever played Lois Lane. She was a pick of mine I had. Because not only did I develop a major crush on her on the TV show China Beach, it was cemented when I saw her in the movie Tombstone. And I'm just really glad that as a young man, I didn't know about this. I'd take my allowance, and that's when comic books were a dime. <laughs> and I would go to the drugstore and buy Superman comics. I was a Superman addict. Or else I would be doing this show from prison praying that I don't get a shiv in the kidney doing time for stalking Dana Delaney. Like, mega-stalking. But to reiterate and make my thought process a little clearer, Lois Lane is Superman's normal. She is his fortress of solitude, his soulmate, and the biggest thing on the planet that keeps him from losing his path. For 15 years, she was his wife. And it worked! While most people were pretty divided, to put it delicately... On Spider-Man getting married, Lois and Clark were a natural pairing, especially after 60 years of courtship. But sadly, that time is gone. The New 52 has brought us a Lois Lane largely unchanged, save for a promotion, proving the character's timeless qualities, but without the romantic angle. However, the friendship is still there, and someday, these two will find each other again, because that's what they are meant to do, over and over again. And in just a few short months, we'll see a new Lois Lane in the form of Amy Adams, who does have a romantic relationship for, with Superman, judging by the material, or by the promotional material I've seen. It's just in these characters' blood. But after spending the better part of two weeks making a somewhat well-thought-out defense of Lois Lane, I realized the flaw in my thinking, which brings me to my final point. The real question may not be, why does Superman choose Lois Lane? Because I think after looking over all of this material and thinking critically, the real question is simply this. Why would Lois Lane choose Superman? As this, edited for content, clip from Mallrats suggests, a life with Superman for a husband isn't a normal one. They're engaged. Doesn't matter, it can't happen. Why not? It's bound to come up. It's impossible. Lois could never have Superman's baby. Do you think her fallopian tubes could handle the sperm? What about her womb? Do you think it's strong enough to carry his child? Sure, why not? He's an alien, for Christ's sake. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. Only someone like Wonder Woman has a strong enough uterus to carry his kid. And the idea of Lois looking at the life she could have had was explored in an issue of the Grounded storyline. I mean, let's face it, Superman's death and falling into her arms represents a very real possibility in being married to a superhero. Superman is in danger the majority of his time, and by proxy, so is Lois. And let's not forget that Clark, well, Clark Kent lied to her for years before proposing. I mean, really, Lois could have a normal life with a strong man sharing the convictions of Clark Kent. She could have the American dream, career, marriage, kids, but she fell for Clark Kent. And not because he can juggle planets, but because he is a good and honorable man. And while Superman and Clark Kent have gone through many changes since their debut, Lois has remained a constant. And the fact that she can see beneath the S-Shield, beneath those glasses, really is her best trait. So here is the full argument, point by point. Point one, Lois is a female romantic lead. That's her role. Point two, she gives a face to Superman's rescues, personal touch. Point two, point five, she's a vehicle for exposition. Point three, she is a strong female role model. Point 3.5, she created the superhero romantic interest archetype. 
Point four, she is timeless. She could be played as an archetype or as an independent character. She makes the writing the Superman stories easy, at least in that portion. Point five, Lois has an ethereal energy about her, something unexplained that elevates her above many, many women. Point six, Lois is Superman's tether to a normal human existence. And finally, point seven, and most importantly, Superman didn't choose Lois. Lois Lane chose Superman. So, Superman apologists, copyright Michael Bailey. If anyone wants to take you on regarding Lois Lane, here are seven different arguments that can be used separately or together. And let me also say that this is only the surface. I encourage you to look deeper, read the comics, watch the shows, continue to nurture these defenses. Superman and his world belongs to you and me. They're ours. They live within us. Those who love this character are charged with defending it, whether we want to or not. Keep your love clear and bright, and be ready to stand your ground. And I leave you with this final thought. Along the main street leading to the town square of Metropolis, Illinois, is a bronze statue of Noel Neal as Lois Lane. It was erected there a few years ago through the fandom of many and it stands on a base of bricks, bearing names of fans who donated to make the statue possible. If you stand directly in front of the statue, and look down near the base of the statue, you will see a brick that says J. David Weeder, www.supermanforever.com. This is a permanent reminder of the love that many fans have for the character, as well as myself, and the fact that I and this show support Lois Lane, and I always will. So until next time, I am J. David Weeder saying keep on fighting the never-ending battle. I went out drinking about an hour ago Girl, you know that my face was blue This has been Superman Forever Radio, a NatWorld production. You can find the show on iTunes with backlogs of episodes, where you can also leave a review. The show finds its home at supermanforever.com, and he's a very proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, which you can find at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. You can friend the show on Facebook at, at facebook.com slash supermanforeverradio, and email the show at mail at supermanforever.com. David can be found on Twitter at twitter.com slash superdaveweeder. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not gain profit from the images or related properties belonging to DC Comics or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman and all related characters, the distinctive likenesses thereof, are all properties of Warner Brothers Entertainment and DC Entertainment. All music and sound clips used on the show are copyright their respective owners and no infringement is intended. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. I've been ashamed to call me Superman Oh, I went round the corner about a quarter out of all Girl, you know that my face was red I went round the corner about a quarter out of all Walking in the steps you used to tread And you know why I can't fly without you And you know why I can't fly without you And you know why I can't fly without you And you know 
why I can't fly without you.